0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: We still don't have that drop for y'all, but we are gonna get that one day. In. in fact, I talked to Alex right after practice. I'm like, "Did you get that drop?" And Alex, what was what was the word, man?
2: Nah, just
1: it's like Floyd came out,
2: and once he was done, he was in practice mode. You, yeah. I, it's like I have, there are certain ways to catch him in there. And ever since that first, the the two practices ago that I went to, that may have been the only side, but damn it, I'm going to keep trying because that'd be beautiful to have. But what's good? Man, this is a busy week. This is yep, possibly geez. the busiest week of the season so far. National Signing Day, uh, UTEP basketball opening the season with Loyola, and UTEP football is still in the bowl race and we're going to get to that after everything, today, that's, happened, after man. everything Every, that's everything
1: happened. that's happened as bad as it seemed that things were a couple of weeks ago it's crazy to and, think and we're going to give
2: credit towards do we'll also break down to the old dominion game we'll talk a little bit about the rice game and that's already almost a week old but we'll touch into that um but this started first off i mean the big news today national signing day uh we already knew the two guards that were coming in we got confirmation yesterday morning that both were signed fax machines or however it's done now is working, email, whatever it is, they're signed, they're minors. Welcome Dion Barrett and Tim Cameron to the UTEP minor basketball family. Big time guests. Perfect guests. You you talk about this class where you can be sort of selective and you really don't have to hit a home run, but I think they did. I think they hit two home runs because, for one, you never know what the guard situation. I think we've learned over the past couple years you can never have too many guards. That was huge to to get two guys that are basically combo guards one's a a, a a true point guard. And then number two, the talent level of these kids, Tim Cameron, you're talking about a guy that I just don't understand how this kid didn't go – went under the radar coming I mean, from, he had from had Atlanta. He had a good offer. But, good offers. you know, it's just great to see him choose UTEP. And then Deion Barrett, one of the best point guards in the state of Texas. Yep. That kid is – that's unbelievable to see how – I mean, maybe his size. Yeah, but, a bit you, you would think that maybe a, a lower-tier Big 12 sure. team would, would have looked at him with his pedigree, but great additions that just kind of seem to mesh with what this team is going to into the guards. What are your thoughts on – I mean, what's awesome to see Friday is just
1: kind of the uh, – well, first of all, the recruiting that Floyd's doing right now, you know, we're seeing a lot of guards and a lot of big-time guards. Um, Obviously, Dominic Artis, Lee Moore this year, a couple of the, you know, best Juco players in the country – uh, or considered, you know, that, but now you talk about, you know, you'll have two years with those guys and you still got Omega kind of coming up, you know, in, in his second year and then you'll have these guys coming. in. so you really are setting yourself up for the next four or five years with some really solid guards. And, and that's awesome to see, especially when you think about these guys, you know assuming we still have Lee Moore and Dominic Artis next year these guys coming in great combo guards going to get to learn from possibly a couple of the best guards in conference USA uh just um, you know it, that that in and of itself is huge but the fact and I know we 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 sometimes we buy too much into stars you know star rankings but three and four star guys man all day long uh and, and the stuff that that it's just awesome to see Floyd competing for these types of guys, especially when you look at a guy like uh, Cameron that was offered by, was it Ole Miss? I think Clemson, uh, Clemson, Clemson was, was looking at him. I think there was a couple of ACC schools. That and, were and so, you know, it's just when we can recruit against those types of schools, then you know that you're doing well. Um, we can we can sit back and we can uh, I've had my qualms my issues with Coach Floyd in the way that he's coached in, in game management and in, in whatever you know underperforming if you will as far as wins and losses. But one thing you can never ever ever knock with this guy is he's one of the best recruiters in the nation. I mean he consistently brings in some real great A talent. Uh, we're gonna get a chance to talk to to barrett here in a second to dion barrett uh, uh hopefully we'll get a little more insight as to how his recruiting process went of course he's coming out of lancaster high school same high school that john bohannon a former minor came out of and and i hear we were that you found out there was a little connection there uh, more than just him uh going to the school but i guess we'll let dion uh talk about that but we'll also um, let,
2: uh let, let tim floyd actually talked about okay. that here so let, uh, let's, hear let's hear before we bring on dion here this is what tim floyd had to say about these signings earlier this it was
3: signing day, and he's he reporting. Yeah, days. we did. We got uh, two national letters back from uh, Tim Cameron, uh, six foot three guard out of Hargrave Military Academy. Uh, real talent, real talent. Uh, a guy that uh, is athletic and, shoot and score scoring, and uh, we think he's going to be a terrific college player. And then uh, we took a recommendation I don't know why we would do this from John Dole Hammond on a guy named <laughs> uh, Deion Barrett out of his high school that he really liked. And uh, we went over and saw him, and we liked him too. Dion's a, a true point guard, small point guard, but uh, a guy that uh, we think can change the pace of the game from time to time. What both is uh, both
2: have a state type of pedigree. How important is that?
3: that
1: well, well, there you have a little bit about what Floyd had to say. Now let's hear what Dion Barrett has to say. As we are joined by the guard out of uh, Dallas, Dion, how you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing good. How are you?
1: Doing great, man. Well, first of all, I'd like to say welcome to Minor Nation. Glad to have you, and we're looking forward to everything that you bring to the program.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having
1: us. So right off the bat, uh,
2: I got a chance to talk with Tim today, and uh, he was mentioning about John Bohannon and, uh, you know, his connection, I guess, with you. Uh, Talk about, you know the connection with Bohan and the process that went for UTEP, actually getting on, getting on UTEP's radar and just that relationship that you have with John who went to your who went to went current high school.
0: Um, Me and John have a, a pretty good relationship. I, I, I met him last year, but I've been watching him ever since I was about 10, 11 years old. And he just, um, he just gave me a lot of advice and, and told me about coach Floyd and, and how if if you want to be able to to play you know at a high level and and at the level you want to play on and that that's the school to go to and and um, I just took that and and really really um, thought about UTEP a lot and I I've, over the summer that's kind of the school that I kind of wanted to go to all summer so when when Coach Floyd just came to the school and and, and finally uh, gave me an offer then that was just wonderful. <laughs>
1: Coach Floyd described you as a as a true point guard. Watching some of of your film and whatnot, we do see you as a versatile player. You're coming from a championship team. You got some pedigree. What do you think that you bring? What type of game do you bring to Utah? What are you going to be able to add to the program?
0: Um, I think I can add, um, you know, quickness, um, the, the giving everybody um, uh, in, involved in the game as a true point guard, and and really just being another coach on the floor.
1: What does it mean to you to be able to uh, come in, uh, play perhaps behind a guy like Dominic Artis who's played some big-time college basketball out at Oregon and is is looking like he's going to be off to a great start here at Utah? What what does it mean to you to be able to kind of grow and learn behind a guy like that?
0: It it actually means a lot. I mean, I've been watching Dominic since I was um, in seventh and eighth grade, and and I I really tried to model my game just like Dominic, and, and he's a wonderful player. And I, I, I'm glad that I can have a chance to play under him the next season.
2: Everybody that's played high school sports is, you know, you shoot for, you know, that playoff run. You know, just an opportunity to get in there. You not only made it into the playoffs, you took it all the way to the state title. Talk about that run, and what is the outlook for this season as you guys try to repeat as state champions in, in Class 5A?
0: Um. Well. We um our coach, Coach Doug, always told us hard work and dedication and, and playing as a team will get us where we we, we need to go. And we, we practice hard every day and we took every opponent as if that was our last game of the season. And so I, I think that that's what led us to uh winning state last year. And um this season it's even bigger without, you know, without uh, Big Eli in there and uh now we mu uh, a much smaller team so we have to play uh, a lot harder, more aggressive, and we just got to go get the job done and, and play as a team.
2: What are you planning on studying at Utah? Have you kind of decided that year or is it still up in the air? So obviously, you're heading uh, into your senior year.
0: As of now, it's, it's still up in the air. I
1: think something that a lot of people find interesting when it comes to recruiting is uh, – is what other schools we were kinda of up against in the recruiting process? Who else was after you? I mean offers, interests, who who were you all hearing from?
0: Um, I had interest from uh North Texas, um, Houston, Arkansas State, um, Texas Tech, um, Chicago Loyola, Prairie View, and uh Central Michigan. It, it's it's a bunch of schools.
2: What was it like when Floyd kind of came in and it seemed like almost instantly you committed as soon as he showed you that interest? I mean, how, what was it when a school like UTEP with the basketball history and with a head coach like Tim Floyd, I mean, was it kind of a no-brainer as soon as, as Floyd uh, extended that offer to you?
0: Yes, sir, it, it, it was. And um, it's, it's just really a blessing that um, I have this opportunity to play for such a great coach as Tim Floyd himself and um, I'm, I'm going to take every chance and, and work work hard.
1: Well, I'm sure you know, if you know anything about Coach Ford, he prides himself, his teams pride themselves in their defense. And we expect to see a lot of that out of you on the defensive end? Do you find yourself as a, as a big-time defensive player?
0: I wouldn't say a big-time defensive player, but when it comes down to it, I'm going to play defense and, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get some stops.
1: That's
2: what we like to hear. Dion Barrett. Lancaster high school guard, state title. Dion, thank you for joining us. Good luck this year. Stay healthy. Keep working hard, man, and we'll catch you around this time next year.
0: All right. Thanks for having me. All right,
1: Dion. Dion Barrett, um, one of the newest members of the UTEP basketball team filled out or I guess sent in his, his, his LOI today, as we say, faxed in. I wonder, I mean. It's got to it's gotta get progressed somewhere. It, 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 I mean, it's it's kind of cool. It's classic, you know what I mean? It's classic to have it it faxed in, but at some point you would think like... Scan it through the faxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point you would think like, all right, email it in. Like, you know, in my business, I use a lot of uh, an app called cam scanner, you know, where you just, you you take a picture of it. It turns into a scan of the the document and then you can turn that into a PDF or whatever you need to do. I mean, you would think at some point, they kind of move on to that. I don't know, maybe they're already there, but at the same time, you know, just the simple facts, like seeing that facts come in, you know, especially you're waiting on a big time recruit and you're sitting by the fax machine waiting and waiting. That's cool. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's classic. That's the only way I can say that. I mean, that's,
2: that that was that's probably what every coach in America waits by, and yeah. on this, on these, especially during the whole week if you don't get a kid that's. And, and somebody's over
1: there like, hey, coach, he emailed it. <laughs> it's over here. You pull, pull it up, pull it up. <laughs>
2: yeah, good class. Uh, you know, you, like like I mentioned earlier, you only had two scholarships. There's a possibility if the shoe fits. You know whether there's a roster need or whether they can find somebody that could come in and, and possibly sit out a year with that Prop 48, you got you go sign a, a big are we man.
1: looking at a scholarships? Where are we sitting at right now? Right
2: now, there's two available with, with these two. Um, you know, you look at, at the guys that are leaving. Um, obviously, the only one that's pretty much on scholarship is Hooper Vent. And then you're losing Mbachi. You're losing uh, Kevin Caldwell, two walk-on spots. <clears throat> but there is, like I said, there is going to be that extra spot for somebody to come in and, and, and a Prop 48 guy. You look at a, a perfect situation last year with Kelvin Jones. You know, if you can find another one of that, I'm pretty sure the coaches will be looking. But more than likely, it, it, they're all on to 2017 recruiting, uh, yeah. which you're going to need possibly a big man big for man, sure. For you're sure. going to need at least one says, more big man. Sure enough, uh, but that's you're you're seeing you're seeing like you mentioned earlier in the open about about the guards and the way that that we're transitioning through. And it's great, and you know, I think a guy like Dion, we've seen so many point guards kind of almost come and go. But I think he's a great candidate for a possible red shirt next year. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, no, he, well, especially
1: that, with the depth you've got. Especially
2: with the depth that we're going to have ne- next year. And it could be a b- big beneficial for him. You get some muscle on his body. You get a chance to go through a whole year of Tim Floyd practices. Because mm-hmm. I really think that he could be the point guard of the future for UTEP. Will it be next year? You And that's another thing. You know, Dominic Artis yeah, that's so, could amazing. possibly – leapfrog into that NBA conversation with a good year I mean you know I'm not saying that's his goal obviously it's every kid's goal but you just don't know and and a guy like Barrett if you get everybody to come back next year a red shirt would definitely benefit him Tim Cameron actually is doing post-grad year for basketball development um you know he's a he's a mechanic uh what is it mechanical engineering engineering whatever basically the engineering major (laughs) coming to UTEP obviously I'm not a mechanical (laughs) engineering major if I can't pull it out but So grades with these two look to be in line um you know you're getting two state kids that have gone on state championship runs and that's really what 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 Floyd talked about uh when we cut the clip a little short about you know that pedigree and something that he said that Don Haskins is instilled about guards which is real interesting you know when you look at those type of deals because he says that you know obviously the basketball if you want to win you got to have guards and that's what he, his quote was basically, you're going to translate that from the high school level right here. So it's really good to see these two types of kids have that pedigree, and they're just going to get better in the system as, as they go along. So good signees. No and, and like I said, could be possibly, I think the staff is about 50 50 right now. But like I said, the situation has to be perfect for them
1: to bring in another one. And as you see, if you look at verbalcommits.com, of course, they don't have uh, every single recruit that, that UTEP's after, but they do have uh, Herbert McGee, another point guard. Two star out of uh, I'm not sure where he's Louisiana, out of it. Louisiana yeah. uh, Malik of Malik Crowfield, leading Green Jordan Roberson, uh, shooting guards that they're still after Josh John- Josh Jackson who's actually it's rated the five, as it's a, the – he's a queue. five star uh, two two I mean ranked number two in the nation by many recruiting outlets so that's a big time guy there uh, Stephon Borabach. Bor- is a, is that's right, and Malik Ondingo are the are the recruits that are left. But you start looking at it, and and so far 2016, 2017. I mean, in 2015, you did have some power forwards, from centers that they were working on getting. We got Paul we Thomas, Rogers Jones. We have Wayne as a redshirt Kelvin uh, Jones, uh, Christian Romine, Venegas. So you have all those guys. But you, you don't really have anything shirt up, if you will, yet, because those are a lot of unproven, a lot of unknowns there, especially with Romine, with Vinegus, with even Terry Wynn right now. I mean, we haven't even seen the guy on the court. We don't know, we, yeah, you know, we don't exactly. know what's going to happen. You know, Broderick Jones, Paul Thomas, we've got some high hopes for them. But I do think that you still need somebody. Big time get a three-star, four-star guy, a guy that's ready to trans- transition into the Division One level immediately, you know, upcoming here in the next year. Because even as those guys start to get a little older, I mean, you need to start preparing for the years that follow. And as of right now, I mean, we have one offer out to Malik Ondingo as a power forward in the 16 class and one out to Ivan Kuchak, I believe his name is, as a center in the 2017 class. And that's it as far as power forwards and centers go in the next two years. Now, obviously, there's still plenty of time to offer kids. you still got this this year coming up where some guys may flourish and, and pop come up out of nowhere, and you start finding some, some diamonds in the rough. But I definitely think that's that's an area that we need to start attacking. The guard position, the threes, you know, one through three, we're pretty deep right now. For a couple um, of years. For a couple of years, but four and five, we really got to start figuring out where we're going to head and one
2: thing to keep in mind too last note here on this recruiting uh hit that we're giving y'all you know the world of college basketball now with so many damn transfers you know that could be a pop and juco i i yeah and juco i think that would be a better fit for utep to get somebody that can come in and replace god please help help me say this right to, to help replace production from Hooper Vent that, you know, if he comes, it, it has that type of season that we hope that he can have. You bring in a transfer guy, a mid-year guy, whatever it may be. So I think that would be a better route for, you know, a, a possibly an open spot next year. You just never know when the world of college basketball. So, uh, you know, I, I really like these two signings like we mentioned, but, you know, you always want to look, you always want to get better. And we definitely need to get better down uh, down low in the pain, but Cameron and Dion Barrett will be nice minors in the future. can definitely guarantee that.
1: So that's what's going on in UTEP basketball recruiting. Of course, they're up their season this week with Loyola and New Orleans, but uh, had their final tune-up this past Saturday, uh, saw, saw a couple, you know, we saw some good things. We saw some bad things. Um, it was a tight game until the end. In fact, I think it was a two-point game with five minutes left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never really want to see that in an in exhibition, but at the same time, it doesn't really mean anything if you see that because it's just an exhibition. Um, you know, we talked about it throughout the game of of just trying to find that flow. We could never get into a rhythm. It seemed like, but I think what what I kind of felt was that more than anything, it was due to them just constantly changing the lineups. You know, just trying to just put different pieces in different spots and just kind of see what works. And and so I think that's where where most of of our inconsistencies came. And I think that'll start being settled out as you start getting into the season, guys will start settling into their spots. We'll start settling into an actual rotation of knowing what guys are going to play what minutes and, you know, what, what spot in the lineup and what situations are going to be in the game for and so on. So I definitely think even though it didn't look great, you know, and if you look at it on paper, even though there were some nice spots, you know, you, you can see the, the score line and see that it was a close game throughout, but again, I think those inconsistencies will start to kind of be ironed out. Those wrinkles will start to be ironed out as you get into the season, a game or two in. Um, of course, though, these games are not for real. And, and there's no more time to mess around. There's no more time to start losing games because we all know in Conference USA, if you want any chance at a net large you cannot lose a single, quote-unquote, bad, bad game.
2: No doubt about it. And, and you hit it right in the head when you're talking about the fall offense. The two things that can back that up is the end of the first half Five
3: minute stretch yeah. to go on a thirteen two run with had. that
2: lineup which nobody went out. Yeah. Floyd went with that straight lineup, uh Project Jones, Paul Thomas, uh I keep wanting to call Flaggart mixed weekend, but um uh, Flaggart, and then you had uh DA and then you had Lee Moore at the point guard. And then towards the end of the half two, same deal where they were able to close it out. You had Caldwell, you had Flaggart, uh I think Hooper Vent may have been in that lineup, but you get what I'm saying where where the when the lineups were were, were great for stretches. Um you know, when the lineups were consistent in stretches is when, like you said, Floyd's going to do it. It's not like it's a bad thing. We're sitting here bashing, saying, oh, don't take everybody out. You want to see that. But what we saw is when the lineups were set and you had guys that, like, like Da and, and more able to run the show and you could just see how people fed off them in those stretches. So I think that's something that we'll, we could possibly continue seeing in these next couple of games until they figure it out. And not to mention, too, that, you know, you're trying to find out so many guys – off the bench in a sense because your main guys that are going to be on the floor, your Terry Wins, your Omega Harris's, when they return will be getting those type of minutes and that type of flow. So right now it's kind of like you get a feel of what this team can be, but at the same time you're not getting a feel because some of the big producers that are going to be alongside DA, alongside more, these guys that are being productive, we don't get to see them yet. So that's really kind of a thing where I'm kind of in between on, on, where this team is at right now or where they need to be because we haven't seen nobody. But like you mentioned, the ability to, to stretch a lead, uh, guards are obviously a big, big thing on this team because they're able to stretch those leads are able to to get to the free throw line. And then that's two big things that stood out to me. Yeah. The fact that this team has been able to get to the free throw line over 20 times in the first exhibition games is going to be huge. Just got to make them, you know, yeah, that, just got to make them that second game, you know, that score, may have been a little bit deeper if we can hit a higher percentage from the free throw line, but that's really going to be a key because I think we have the guards. And listening to Coach Johnson talk about it last night, where they're going to let these guys go. They're going to let them put their heads down to these new rules with the NCAA where this is a foul, yeah. this is a foul, this is a foul. That's really going to play in the UTEP's, you know, I guess it, in, in their in their way of and you and can hit the free throws. In a
1: sense, though, it's also going to play against us because we're such an aggressive team defensively that you know, now we don't have the Julian Washburn anymore. That that kind of is just up in your face, shut down defender. But you know that could in turn play uh, you know in our favor, but at the same time could play against us. Now I, I do want to say something, and and this is obviously uh, you know it, it was an article that you put up, or a quick write up that you put up or, or mentioned, and, and I think your uh, thoughts on the exhibition about. Um, we're still without Terry Wynn, and more importantly, even though not to say, not to underestimate, you know, the, the quality of, of Terry Wynn or, or how good of a player he'll be, but Irvin uh, Morris, I mean, that guy, we know what he can do. We know what he can do. And and honestly, coming back, we felt like he was the best player on the team, if not the second best player, on the, or I should say the second best player, if not the, the best player, you know, with Omega Harris. Those two were the best players on the team coming back. So, uh, you know, when you've got that type of firepower that's, that's out, for an indefinite period of time, that's tough because you're trying to fill those shoes with guys like Jake Flagger. Now, granted, Flagger is is a good player, man, and more than anything, he, he's a shooter. He's a spot shooter, and that's going to be big. That that's one thing that I liked when I saw that lineup that you were talking about with Artis and and Lee, and uh, and you had Flagger at the three, and then you had Thomas and and uh, and Broderick. Now, those five, I mean, you got two, uh, you got two athletic. Big men now, we're still we're never going to be a big team, never. you know. It doesn't matter who's we'll in the be game. a long
2: team, but not yeah.
1: No. It, it, even when, the thing is with Wilms, he's only going to get so many minutes. We saw him start, we didn't see him play many minutes, and in in a season game, he's probably going to play like we've oh, estimated ten, twelve, fifteen 12, 15 minutes, max 20, maybe game. in conference, yeah, play. A dire need 20 minutes. But but at that, you know, because you're only going to get 10 to 15 minutes out of him, then you're not a big team. Even with Hooper Vint in there, he's got size, but he's just, he doesn't play big. So with that lineup, you've got two athletic bigs. You've got a slasher and a guy who can find guys open and create his own shot in Dominic Artis. You've got a guy in Lee Moore who's a shooter and can create his own shot. And then you've got that set shooter in Jake Flagger. So there's a lot of balance with that lineup, and it's good to see. But you plug in Irvin Morris, and it really changes the dynamic, and it changes things defensively for the other team because now they have to worry about three guys who can get their shot because Lee Moore, Irvin Morris, Dominic Artis on the, on the floor at the same time, look out, man. All those guys Hard eyes. Hard eyes. Yeah, hard eyes. And, yeah, eyes. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, that's, that's something that we kind of have to – it sucks that we have to wait for it, but when those three are on the court together – I think this team is gonna be explosive, man. Um,
2: and, and and Morris I mean it's good seeing, uh you know, Lee Moore in that first game shoot from the three and, and you know, I've seen him shoot in the gym and, and you know, but or- Morris is still that proven three point shooter, the only proven three point shooter we have at this point. And you're right. I mean it's just really gonna add some firepower that that's been missing in these first two games. You gotta figure it's been
1: missing for years. Uh, oh yeah, we haven't oh, had no, that guy that can it, go no get that bucket it. when we need and it. and now you have three exactly. and then to
2: think about it, you know. I personally believe you. without these guys, even with Omega, even though, you know, we know he's not going to even play, but that's minus at least, what, 15 to 20 points in in, in these first couple of exhibition games? It's hard to say. Easily, it's hard, it's to, hard say, to say, but, I mean, a guy like Morris, seen the defenses that, that we've gone up against, you know, he probably would have gotten in that 10 to 15 point. I think you're
1: going to see a lot of guys having to kind of take a step back. In other words it's it's almost impossible to get fifty. You no, know, this isn't the NBA. You're not gonna get fifteen to twenty points out of four or five guys on a yeah. regular basis. You know you would you would I mean if you did, you'd be one of the best teams in the nation. Exactly. You know, but but it's just not realistic to expect that. So it's hard to say exactly how much you're gonna get out of a guy like Omega Harris when he comes back into a loaded guard set with with these guys, with with Irvin, with with obviously Dominic and Lee. So it's hard to say exactly what he's gonna bring. But the thing about it is if you can get 15 or 18 out of two of them and you're getting 10 or 12 out of the other two I mean that's still really good so it's hard to say exactly how much you're going to get but what really is is on my mind what I see what what I saw in the well we already knew this but what really stood out in the exhibition was our best rebounder is Lee Moore no doubt
2: best player yeah
1: very possibly (laughs) best player I mean him and Dominic at this point are 1A 1B however you want to put them 16 points 15 rebounds when you go up against bigger teams, guys that can really control the paint, that's not gonna happen. Lee Moore is not I'm not gonna say he'll never have a game with fifteen rebounds, but chances are he won't. And probably six to eight is probably more realistic as an average, and that's really good for a guard. Six to eight rebounds a game. But where is that production gonna come from? And, and when you talk about fouls, that's another thing that we really have to we, we have to be aggressive attacking the rim getting to the free throw line we have to take advantage of those free throws because we're not going to be a team that can rebound in the first place so in turn we're not a team that's going to have a lot of second and third chance opportunities we're not going to be crashing the offensive glass and getting a whole lot of offensive you know rebounds in every contest so you're really going to have to take advantage of the opportunities that you have and like you said get to the free throw line we have guys that can get there we've got to be able to make them
2: and i've said it since the exhibition game Where Tevin Caldwell is our best power forward right now. Yeah. Tevin Caldwell is a 6'3 guard. And and that's really a bigger issue, you know, right there in the cell when you have two guards combined for 26 rebounds in the last game, talking about Lee Moore and and Tevin Caldwell. And both of those guys, what, what, what may, I don't want, I don't know, maybe what you think about this. I don't know if it'll bail us out, but the way that those two hustle, could that bail out? some sort of thing. We're talking about protecting the paint. We're talking about maybe getting those extra possessions or closing out a possession because I saw Lee Moore out there. The the good thing that I saw about him is that his shot wasn't falling, but he wasn't pouting. He cool. was going to tap balls around. He was getting on, getting down and dirty on defense. He was doing everything else to help this team win, and that was huge. Same thing with Caldwell, but I really think he gave up a couple of shots where he had a good look, and, and you know, but that's just how that is what we've kind of gotten used to with him. But I think the hustle of those two in certain games, maybe not every game, like you mentioned, when we're playing a bigger team, it may be, it's going to get exposed. But just maybe their hustle and their well, tenacity. Well, could think
1: about this Think about this. What what is the best? If you were a coach, right? You're going into a game against UTEP at this exact moment. What would you say would be the best way to defend them?
2: Right now, I would think I would think zone for sure. Zone, I would right? think zone, because no doubt because, about it. Because
1: first of all, they haven't shown shown an ability to consistently knock down the three. So a team like that, you're gonna go in, you're gonna you're gonna one two 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 three something like that, and, and force them to shoot you out of that zone. And as long as you can have your bigs down there, I mean, I know it's you know the zone isn't a great defense to rebound out of. But when you're going up against a team that isn't a very good rebounding team in the first place, I don't think there's much of an advantage either way. So, so I think that's that's going to be the the one thing right there. So that quickness that you're talking about, that aggressiveness, that I don't know if it's going to offset because if teams decide to go zone against us, then I don't know how much that helps because it's one thing to be playing man on man and, and you got you know you can beat your guy you know first step get to the rim you force a guy to come off in the paint you know dish off whatever little putbacks whatever it is. But when you're playing zone, it's a little different. So I, I don't know how how that's going to work out. But, I mean, these are things that I don't even think Coach Floyd knows at this point, you know, or his staff. These are things that they're still trying to figure out. I mean, exactly what type of team are we going to be? Because there were so many times in the exhibitions where Dominic or Lee Moore would basically end up just going one-on-one. That would work against Cameron University or East Loyola, Central New Oklahoma Orleans. or even maybe <laughs> Lo- Lo- Loyola New Orleans. But – it's probably not going to work, you know, a little later on, even at your Washington State or even in that, that you know, Colorado State, Southern Illinois, Coastal. What is, that, what is that? Cult, yeah, yeah that, cult, 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 that one, that classic tournament or whatever they call it. But, you know, when you get into those types of games, New Mexico State as well, you know, that kind of stuff's not going to work, um, at least not going to work for an extended period of time. So we're still trying to figure out what we're going to be, what our identity is. And, and I don't think we're really going to know until we have Irvin Morris back until we have Omega Harris back. You know, it's going to take throughout the, the non-conference season to really figure this team out. And even though there's a lot of talent, and we're, I would assume we're going to win a lot of games, but to, to to figure out exactly what we are, I think it's going to take almost all the way into the conference season to figure out what this team is, is, is really about offensively. Yep,
2: and I hate to say it, but there may be a loss where we're like, what the fuck? You and know, it, 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 it's going it, to happen. I, I mean, I don't think we can sit here and, and as much. Want to stay here and be like, oh, well, we should go 11 and 2 with conference play, you know, going to, going to see USA play 11 and 2. But the, the fire that you just spit about that identity not being found, that's going to get exposed. And that's really a, a concern. I don't want to say it's a concern. It's going to be a concern if by, by the end of all, out of conference play, it's not figured out. And you're, you're going to be getting guys coming back in, in kind of i don't know if it's bunches but different spots you don't know when mcswiggins gonna come back you kind of get the idea when you're gonna get omega about back we'll get into him and then you know you don't know when you're gonna get back when or or, or morris who will probably miss the first two games so it's going to be interesting to see because chemistry and finding that identity should be the number one keys to find in the next couple of weeks but on that josh mcswiggins note um been hearing some grumblings uh go miners uh on one of our commenters on, on on the rush talked about the possibility of there being a eligibility issue with Josh McSwigan and come to find out last night, uh, Coach Johnson confirmed it on the Tim Floyd radio show that indeed he is going through some sort of, of issue um, with it with a grade with a couple of classes from his hometown in England. Uh, talked to Tim Floyd today, and uh, Floyd gave us a little insight on what's going on with McSwigan. If it'll play, it's the lowest audio in the
1: world. <laughs> 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 no, but hey, but we we should also say that that his eligibility issue isn't the only thing that's holding him back from playing right now. The scope happened in uh, you know the last month or so, and 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 so this is something that just adds on. But as it was, you know, you, you, we really didn't know exactly when McSwigan would be available to uh, to be eligible to play, as far as you know, medically. But now we're learning this academic eligibility issues is coming up, and and now let's see if we got this audio yeah, we cue. Well, you you get oh you get to play like that. Can you hear it. Let's try this one more time. Let me, let me see what's going on here. You're the phone king, bro. All right, phone. yeah it's not all right
2: this is, this isn't gonna work basically but, uh, uh, the top we, part, had, we we had audio, audio. <laughs> basically what Floyd was just talking about is the situation with josh you know he hasn't he's still not cleared medically he hasn't even been participating in uh contact drills, so number one you have that um number two floyd basically saying that this was just this is all in the hands of the NCAA. uh josh he he quoted himself by saying josh is an excellent student. And when I asked him, a big thing that I wanted to know, because it's sort of a hot-button issue with Taco Fall, the kid from UCF, and then I'm probably going to murder his name, but Chalek Dayalu was another big-time prospect from the Sudan who signed with Kansas. They're both going through the same deal. And my biggest question was, is is this the same thing that we're seeing? And Floyd agreed that it is. And, you know, it's part of a, a new I guess a, a new fad, if you want to call it that in the NCAA, you know, but it's really mainly looks like in the situation of Taco Fall and the the ILO kid about these specialty prep schools that they're going to, you know, and, and definitely, and like Floyd said, it's not, this rule shouldn't be for a kid like Josh McSwiggin. It's just a technicality that they're going through. Oh, so bullshit, it, it, yeah, it is. And Floyd so sounds power. real confident that they're going to come out on the right side, but I think he respects the process and he understands that, you know, this is going to happen when when you know you recruit international players. It's just kind of part of the process. My thing is, I mean, why the, in the hell wasn't this done in August yeah, from you know the what? NCAA?
1: <laughs> there should be there should be a, an entrance exam or something, That's like, right? You know, like look, the fact is, these people are from different countries, and in the case of Taco Fall, which obviously doesn't affect us, but I'm just saying, in his case, it could have he's recruited from Africa? <laughs> is, it, is it Sudan somewhere in Africa? Yeah. Or something like that, right? You know, this guy. I mean, it's just natural that their classes or whatever you know, qualifications they would have out there are not going to be to the same level as here in the United States, or maybe they are, but they're just going to be completely different qualifications. So why wouldn't you just set up a, a, a an entrance exam that is the same for all international kids, and when they come over, they have to, to kind of show where they're at, you know, in different, you know, subjects, whether it's, you know, calculus or chemistry or I don't know what the hell they want to know as far as a college kid goes, but you know, some kind of entrance exam that these guys could take to clear the eligibility because if they know what they're doing to be a freshman in college, then why the hell are you holding them back from playing fresh or college basketball? Yeah. You know, I could understand if, you know, you can't just take some 15 year old kid cause he's an all-star and put him into college. Fine. But you know, you have these kids that are coming from overseas. They may not take the SAT or the ACT, give them some other kind of exam that they can kind of establish a, a baseline or a ground, you know, an in, in actual, what, I don't even know the word, but just show where they're at to show that they do qualify to, to go to school. I mean, if they do qualify for that, then why can't they play basketball?
2: And it makes it easier on the NCAA because you're trying to go back and look at a junior, a class that so-and-so took as a junior in high school or even middle school. When in Sudan. Like, yeah, in <laughs> Sudan, where, like you said, if you just have a standardized test yeah. apart from – the ACT, apart from the SAT, where that kind of it, it's almost like almost like like you said, an entry exam where okay, you went to so and so academy and maybe that English class wasn't up to par to your standards. But if this kid goes and he passes this interest exam applying colors, he's good. Saves the NCAA money, saves coaches a headache and stress,
1: and it saves fans, you know, that stress over the yeah. Look at these kids. And that, Look exactly. at these kids now. Josh McSwiggin isn't isn't Taco Fall, but if you look at the case of Taco Fall, where this the, kid actually came in and went to a prep academy for two years, right? But but they're they're now going back and saying, well, I don't know if those classes are good. I don't know if your your international credits are going to work. And now you know, I don't know if these it's all, it's all garbage, man. You look at the case of a kid like that. This kid came from nothing, man. This kid is sending his money from from UCF, the money that he gets as his stipend or whatever they call it for you know meals and whatnot, he sends that back to his family, you know, so so his family can support themselves, so his brothers and sisters can go to school, literally, I mean, assuming you're reading the stories and taking it word for word, I don't know why they would lie, I'm just saying, that's what, that's what the story is, so you talk about that, and this kid was come, he came over here, he was put into some random apartment, and basically told like, hey, we'll let you know what happens. You'll come to school and play basketball when we're ready. And this kid, is you're talking about being transplanted from a from a, a, a completely different world and just put in here and just being like, not knowing the language, not knowing what's going on, you know, not being told much. And now you go through all this, you know, you go through that prep academy, you play ball, you you get everything settled, and now you come over here and now they're telling you that, oh, well, you can't play, though. You know, it, it just doesn't make any sense, man. And, I, you know, I'm looking at it from false case. Of course, McSwiggin is in the same boat with him, even though it's a different situation. But it just it, – it's crazy to me, man. And it all goes back – you know, as, as smaller schools, we're lucky to have the NCAA because that is the only thing that has held, you know, these these bigger schools from just taking their ball and going home, even though they could at any point without the NCAA because really they don't need them. Oh, they, the all. NCAA honestly does nothing. Like, they really don't other than kind of – they're just kind of like the mediator out there. And they're just like, oh, the hey, 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 you didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. You're, you're penalized for this. Yep. That's all they do, literally. None of the rest are
2: uniform. None of, none of it. None of feet it. Feet you look, line, you, you know,
1: know, where the real money is in football, you know, start getting off topic a little bit here. But the, the real money's in football. And we talked about this uh, when the college football playoffs started coming up and stuff like that where there was a legitimate threat for for the Power Five conferences to go and form their own league, their own uh, organization, or whatever you want to call it, and just completely leave the NCAA. The NCAA has the most to lose in all of this because they just make money hand over fist in all of this. And I don't understand why they're given so much power. I understand they have to do the right thing. If If there's certain cases where they need to step in, I mean, you don't want, you know, you don't want there to be um, so much issue with, you know, coaches and recruiting and, and, and you know, I don't even know, just a, just a scandal, I guess, of it. You know, you don't want to see that. So there's definitely some good to it. But in certain cases, man, they have too much power. And you're seeing it
2: with this dialogue kid in Taco Ball So let the damn kids play. That's what I say. But uh, you're Looking right. You didn't even wrong. mention it, you said, oh, man, I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. And, you know, hopefully these kids can
1: get this uh, resolved. You know, hopefully McSwiggin does. I know anybody that, but... that anybody that plays UCF is is thankful right now, bro. Cause yeah. Cause... Even how I don't know how good the kid is. I've never really seen a lot on him. But the guy's seven six, yep. man. Like, you know, we saw it with uh, with, with Bullard at NMSU. You got a guy that size. No matter what, that's a that's a force. And in we, there, you're
2: going to see another one with UC Irvine coming in. Yeah. So we'll get to, yep. we'll And we'll he's get the tallest player this. in the NCAA yep. right at least so right now at the time. So it's going to be. interesting to see how that plays out with that kid in that conference and that school but just real quick to end up the UTEP basketball talk the minors do open the season this week Loyola New Orleans a NAIA division one institution with an enrollment of 5,000 for anybody that cares uh but they have actually started their regular season already they're two and two on the year um they played the likes of (laughs) Weaver International Carver College oh they played Weaver oh Weaver's Uh, Be back this year. uh, They they fucked me yesterday on that (laughs) line, though. (laughs) Louisiana, so there you go. You you have what what they've got in their body of work so far. Led by junior guard Jalen Gray, he's averaging 20 points a game. Johnny Griffin's averaging 15 points a game. And freshman card, Trayvon Jasmine with 12.3. Their leading bright rebounder is actually Johnny Griffin comes in at nine points per contest. They've averaged 85 points in their first four games. Uh, This is kind of more impressive to me is a rebounding margin of 12.0 plus 12.0 on them. This is actually an exhibition game for them. Um, But really, I mean, we talked about it, about the main thing for the Miners is just continuing to find that identity. And and this is a team that uh, is actually, Floyd told a a good backstory because as we know, we've talked to, you know, Ken Deweese about scheduling. Where scheduling is all about connections. <laughs> well, the, the, the head coach of Loyola was actually Tim Floyd's neighbor. So, and Floyd joked him on and saying, "If we lose to this one, I might need therapy." So, <laughs> you know. There, there is a little bit of pressure not to lose. To uh, you know, and school. he, and
1: he's gonna have to take this game a little more seriously yes, because Floyd kind of, and I, I think a lot of coaches do this. I mean, you see some of the bigger schools and they'll blow out teams in these exhibitions, but for for schools like UTEP, I mean, you really have to figure out what you've got in those types of games. So they're basically glorified practices, and so you're running guys in and out, changing lineups, you know, figuring out exactly what you're going to be using in the regular season. But even though Loyola is an NAIA school, you know, it, it's time to, to to really, you know. Get things settled. You know, you don't want to see a two-point game with five minutes to no. go like we saw against against uh, Central, East Central, Northwestern, State, University. Triple directional state.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so th- that's going to th- – you said it perfectly. I mean, you want to see guys play in, in longer stretches, execute in longer stretches, not not so much play together, but just execute. Do the little things that the coaches want, either defensive principles or their offensive. You know, what we haven't seen is we've seen how aggressive these guards are. We're, we're not seeing the shot clock run down. And and Coach Johnson brought that up last night on the radio show is, you know, these guards are going to go up there and play. And that could be a, either a disadvantage or an advantage. I think at this game, you kind of want to see that let these guys like Lee Moore and Dominic Artis set the tone. But for whatever it's worth, this nugget just jumped out to me the last time. Uh, well, UTEP is going to be the, the, the fourth matchup with Loyola. But UTEP did beat Loyola in that national championship year. So if there's anything for a type of, whatever you want to call it, superstitious, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, this is going to you know, be a game this worker. is
1: another team, though, that's not very big. We haven't seen a
2: big team. Um, one
1: one guy that's 6'10", a freshman. I don't know how much he's going to be yeah. playing. So, other than that, though, know, you got a lot of 6'7", 6'8", guys. So, you're going to be able to match up really well against this team. But, again, you know, I think you're going to see guys play, like you said, for more extended periods of time. And you want to see them play more consistently. Even Dominic Artis... Um, you look at the score line, he, he did have a a, a a pretty good game against uh um East Central. I, I, East Central. I, I don't even know their name, man. East Central. <laughs> he had a pretty decent game against him, but he missed some gimme's, you know. Yeah. Missed some shots at the I, call, rim I talked it up that. to Russ. Yeah, sure. Tried, yeah, I and, you you know, know, talked to him Lee Moore, sixteen and fifteen. You know, looks like a great stat line, but he only finished like six of twenty from the field. He like so. one of eight
2: from three. Yeah. So
1: you know that kind of stuff. You you need to start getting a little more consistent. And I do think you know, although those guys did play plenty of minutes, but I do think the shuffling of lineups, the changing of guys in and out, in and out. It it, it it's not just the team that's not able to get into a flow i think individually it's a lot harder to get into a flow because you're constantly seeing different faces and you know you get you establish chemistry with guys you know and flow with guys when when you're on the floor together and when they start changing in and out it's a lot harder because you don't know where guys are going to be you don't know how guys are going to react you know when you when you have that team you know you you start getting that experience together and you just know this guy's going to be there you know I'm gonna I'm gonna cut here and this guy's coming right behind me or he's off to my wing or whatever it is and so you you start losing that as you start switching guys in and out but it's time to start seeing a little more um I guess it's really establishing your your rotation you know get your eight nine ten guys that you're really gonna play you know I don't think we should see like you know not no knock on Venegas or anything like that but I think you kind of gave him his minutes in the in the in the exhibitions I don't think there's really any need to keep continue to see what you're gonna get out of
2: Red him? Redshirt
1: that kid. Redshirt him, yeah. <laughs> Redshirt so that kid. you know, it just I think you really want to start seeing your 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 sol- your lineups that you're gonna be trying to put out as you move forward. You know, if it is that lineup that we saw at the end of at the end of the, the list, the last five or six minute stretch of the first half, you know, start getting those guys involved together so they start developing that chemistry and there is a little bit of flow offensively. I think we'll see them. Uh, be able to pull out a, a fairly easy win if we do that. I think if we let the guys play, go out there, let them play together and start establishing some flow, I think I think it'll be a, a pretty sizable win.
2: And, and one thing to keep in mind, too, you talk about guys like Artis and, and more who, this is their first game action in yeah. almost a year. Artis, you can go two years. So that could be another thing where, you know, you, you just need those game reps. And we're going to see struggles and you're going to see some great play. And I think, we you know, early on, expect streaky play until these guys – get that you know the game speed under their feet so real interesting matchup uh to see you know what minor team we get on saturday all New orleans 705
1: p.m in the don haskins center moving on moving on man let's talk about these conferences USA basketball power rankings that came out today um you got 12 total voters if i'm not mistaken this is so hard to do though you know, when you talk about preseason, you can you can hear all the stuff that people have on paper. And, yeah, you might be able to get a general idea of where teams are going to fall, you know, as far as if they're going to be the upper echelon, middle or, or lower. But it, it's so hard. And, and obviously, UAB comes in as the favorite. They were picked by the coaches. They're picked by our voters, too. But it, it really, I mean, it's like we talked about last week. They were a, a, a few seconds away from – from ending their season right at 500, n- right at 500, you know? And, and so then they go on that little run, they make the tournament, but you know, they come back with some talent. You talk about Robert Brown, Chris Coakley, but um it's just so hard. It's so hard to, to, to gauge these teams. And I think to me, when you look at, at number two, old dominion with Trey Freeman and Bacote coming back, uh, or Bacote, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but that's, that might be, you know, right up there. Obviously, Trey Freeman's coming back as the best player in the conference, so that might be the best backcourt in the league, no doubt. He, we haven't seen what what UTEP is gonna be able to put out on a regular basis, which I think I mentioned it to you five minutes into the exhibition. If, if you got my text, I was like number one backcourt in CUSA. <laughs> yeah. Like you you're know, not the only one that's watching. And, and, and an it's, exhibition not, it's game not. I'm not saying that. It, that they're there yet, but. But you know, I talked about that one growing class. Yeah. No but it. but you look at Old Dominion, and and that could be considered the top team. And obviously they they receive four first place votes. Uh, number three, UTEP. I think that starts to get a little homerish. Yeah. I, I'll let you talk on that one.
2: I had them at four. You know, I had Old Dominion at number one because Trey Freeman, Aaron Bako, and Jordan Baker. Those are the three best guards in the league. I mean, Jordan Baker really came on last year as as that kind of. Dynamic guard where Freeman's your score, Baker is your kind of field general, and Baker is your dynamic. Going back to UAB with William Lee, one of the best freshmen in the na- uh, in the nation. Maybe is kind of a stretch, but you know he was one of the best top freshmen in the, in the conference last year. So I would I had Old Dominion number one, UAB two. I honestly think that Middle Tennessee is the third best team preseason. You talk about a guy like Giddy Potts who really came on last year. Parent Buford was impressive to me as how physical and how much he just dominated a guy like like Cedric yeah, Lane. I was gonna he say, he bit, torched us. Man. Yeah, he torched us. Last year. And then Reggie Upshaw has been just a consistent player for them. So I think, personally, I put UTEP four. I think without Urban Morris and Omega Harris and those guys, you can even slide UTEP down a little further. But the way that I voted, thinking that you know this team is gonna get their players back, they're definitely four. And you got La Tech 5. LaTeX is another sneaky team. Alex Hamilton is probably right behind Trey Freeman, is one of the most talented players in this league. Eric McCree is a UTEP killer. Both games last year. He does it all inside out. They also picked up La Antoine Luckett that played at all corner State. Got a chance to watch two of his games last year in the Sun Carnival tournament or however they want to call it now, the uh, Don Haskins tournament. That kid is a talent. You know, you kind of question LaTex. I'm going to question LaTex and Old Dominion's post-presence. Old Dominion had some talented guys in there in in the post last year. Aldridge comes to mind. Uh, Can't think of the other guy in there. But those two teams that had some sort of a post-presence, LaTex, you know, with Michael Kaiser, when we look at these top five teams, there's so much of a good mix of of what these guys can be and what their identities can be. But I definitely agree with you where that may be a little homerish because I would put Middle Tennessee, a team that, that beat UTEP, has one of the better guards coming back and one of the better front court forwards that we're going to see in the combo with Upshaw and uh, Upshaw and Perrin-Buford. So, yeah, I agree. But Middle thing, Tennessee, they come in at number four, La Tech runs at five, and that's kind of that top Yeah, team.
1: Okay. That, That's the one thing that I will say, is that those top five are the top five teams yeah. in the league, in my opinion. And you can kind of arrange them however you want. Um, but but I definitely think those are the top five. The only reason I think UTEP is a bit homerish at number three um, is just because of all the unknown. Exactly. You know, nah, you, you're right. There's so much going on. You don't have Irvin Morris and Terry Wynn. Those guys are suspended. And honestly, uh, really, Floyd didn't really say a few games in that quote, if I'm not mistaken. He said a few weeks.
2: Well, because there's there's they play Saturday and Saturday, so that's where when he said weeks. But did he, may, he, did he actually say though
1: two games or did yeah, he just
2: say two pretty, weeks? Pretty well, two weeks meaning two games because they play Saturday and they play. I wrote it, the, the it as Saturday. a few
1: weeks. That's what I thought he had said. If that's the case, and we really don't know if that's exactly two take, games it like football, or... take it like a football. Take it like a football
2: team because sure. you know they they play on a Saturday. Saturday, it's kind of the first couple of games
1: are you know spread out that way. So I think that's why he said so. We well, we would hope that he'd be back three. after that second game. Yeah, um, talking about Urban. but then you still talk about you don't have Omega yet, and then. You don't know what you got in your bigs because or you see you see a guy like Cooper Vent man. Um, we've been really really needing this kid to step up, and he did at times. You know when when uh, Williams went out with the injury last year, and we were real short on the on the front line. He, he stepped up. He had a couple big games. Played some solid minutes, but overall. He just hasn't lived up to his potential so far. And, and you've I mean, you've seen some good things from him. When you talk about the orange and white scrimmage, not just this year, but the last two years. You know, he's probably averaged 28 and 15 or something like that. <laughs> MVP. And so, yeah, I mean, so really you've seen him, his ability. And I guess, I don't know, that's just when he's – it's not like, I mean, granted, you're playing against your own team but it's not like you're playing against the the JV team at El Paso High or something. You know what I mean? I mean, you're still playing against a little division one athlete. So I don't know if it's just a level of comfort when he's playing in that game or what, but I mean, you would think that, you know, you'd still be able to translate some type of production into regular season games. And we just really haven't seen it on a consistent basis. And so with, with Williams in his situation and with Hooper not really producing as much as we'd like, we have no idea what we're getting out of our bigs. You know, our guards, yeah, we've got a lot of talent, but we still don't know how everything's going to work out together. And, and it's just – there's just so many unknowns. You talk about rebounds. We've talked about rebounds so much. How This team just has not been able to rebound the basketball. Our best rebounder is, our, is, is one of our guards. You know, we just don't know anything about this team yet. I mean, all we've seen is some exhibitions, and, and even those were close games. So we just it, – it's hard to say that this is one of the top three teams in the league. I hope they are. I hope they're number one. But I, at this exact moment, I think it's a bit homerish to put them in number three, but I do think all those top five teams are the top five teams in the league, so you can really arrange them however you want.
2: Yeah, and that's why I mentioned you can almost slide UTEP out that top five if you look at those you know, issues, whatever questions that you have, and it's a fair, fair argument to keep utep out of the top five but i mean that's why they play the games and we'll find out pretty quick but uh number six coming in western kentucky uh they open up against campbellsville on friday they, they, pout, they play up, campbellsville? Up campbells oh good luck that's a bad that's gonna be a at least it'll be a decent loss for the conference but <laughs> they only return chris harrison box nigel stibes and a guy that really not not a lot of on people's right up like justin johnson a six seven kid with very good physical skills and and that's they're going to be rebuilding, no doubt about it. Number seven, an interesting team. The Rice Owls came on last year. Uh, you know, eight and ten in conference. They returned Marcus Jackson, one of the better guards in in one of the better guards in the conference. Matt Gersey, who just seems like he's been at Rice forever. The little five seven point guard and Andrew Jones, uh, drone the big six ten senior who really ate our lunch last year as well. That's the team to kind of look at. Charlotte comes in at eight. Marshall comes in at nine. Florida International at ten. North Texas at eleven. Florida Atlantic with 43 points at 12, the Roadrunners of UTSA, 13, and Southern Miss. God, pray for Southern Miss, man. They have nobody coming back, and they are on a they're, – they're keeping themselves out of the tournament again this I year. Like,
1: I like – well, I don't like, but it's funny you how
2: – You know, there's top There <laughs> honestly isn't. The only guy that they had coming back, Norville Carey, he's academically ineligible, and he's taking a red shirt this year. So you know that it's kind of tough, it. but i I was sharing something with Anthony before when i'm doing this, and i 'm looking through there's two teams that really kind of stand out that I think could can make some sort of a run or, or spoil a couple of the top five teams at lunch, and that's marshall and and that's Florida international why marshall ryan taylor I've been high on this kid since he came into this league that guy he's a do it all guy he's a double double machine almost like Vince Hunter but just just imagine Vince Hunter not having that extreme athletic ability to just jump on jump out of the gym. Ryan Taylor does everything right. Austin Loops, the guy that we found out last year can shoot shot lights out against Utah to have another guard in there as well. But FIU, that's a team I really think is, is going to be the best defensive team in the league. Adrian Diaz a 6'11" paint protector and then Draper who really showed out last week, year when we played them. At FAU. Those are two teams that I think come conference play, you know, can really, you know, make a run in. North Texas, kind of on the inside out with them because Jeremy Combs is one of the most talented forwards in the league. And then Andre Harris, when he has his head right and he's not being an asshole, is one of the better guards in this league. Knock with him, though, has been he had multiple suspensions last year. But I think those are three teams outside of the top five that we could see come up. A lot of people are high on Rice. I am too. I want to see how they mix in, you know, with their four-star guy that they got, and also another three-star guy that they got in Marcus uh, Letcher. Uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic because they have a hell of a coach there. So, Conference USA is going to be top-heavy once again, and we're going to figure out exactly who these guys are in the next couple of months, just like we're going to find out exactly who UTEP is. So no doubt
1: about it. And then you know, season man, starts Thursday. Exactly. Season starts Thursday. It's just, it's just, it's great, man. Conference USA action will actually tip off on Friday. you got Niagara at Old Dominion. Florida Atlantic opens up at Michigan State, who's currently ranked 13th. Trinity Baptist at Florida International. Millsaps at La Tech. UTSA's at Loyola Chicago. Elon at Charlotte. Jarvis Christ Jarvis Christ These guys are playing some tough ones, man. Jarvis RPI Christian Boosters. At North Texas. UAB at Auburn. Rice at number 14, Cal. So that'll be Friday. And then uh, yeah, Marshall
2: this- plays Tennessee on Thursday, according to their schedule.
1: On the SEC network, I don't know if that's up there on the. Let me see. Uh, it's not on uh Huh. It's probably. I, I would assume Marshall's athletic, you know, site would be right, yeah. but. Either um, way, you get going to see a couple of teams will play. Uh, UTSa has a. Damn tough
2: schedule because they got Loyola on the road, Clemson, and then Creighton in their first over three games. So look with and that And then Loyola, we'll Louisiana,
1: of course, at Utah, Southern Miss, at Memphis, and Campbellsville, at Western Kentucky on on Saturday. Like the said, game part, for Southern. Miss. Let's uh let's move on. Let's let's start talking a little conference USA uh, football. Let's start it off real quick and run down those those uh power rankings there and look at what the schedule looked like this past weekend and and uh, what you saw out of some of these teams. Um.
2: Miners won.
1: Big time win for the miners, man. We'll start there. That's definitely something to to, to talk about. We we'll, we will definitely get into it. Rice uh last Friday, twenty four twenty one. The miners knocked off Rice to improve to four and five on the year and two and three in conference play, which means we are still in the conversation for somehow, some somehow, some way. Football guys, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and no, you know what, man? We we. That, that's funny because actually the football guys were on our side with those muff punts, man. You know, it was It was it was football. I saw your I saw your tweet of of hashtag football guys on the first one, and then I texted you on like the second hashtag, one. Hashtag football guys times two, man, because that was crazy. But no, uh, great win for the miners. We'll definitely get into that a little little later. But uh, Charlotte loses at Florida International, forty-eight thirty-one. Fort International improves to five and five. Charlotte's 0 oh, uh, oh and six in conference. they play playing two and seven overall. Florida Atlantic nineteen loses at Western Kentucky. They drop a two and seven. Western Kentucky's up to eight and two and six and zero oh in conference USA play. North Texas gets drilled at Louisiana Tech fifty six thirteen. Marshall drops a tough one, man, a heartbreaker, triple overtime twenty seven twenty four to Middle Tennessee. Your dark horse since day one. Uh, Marshall's now eight and two in league play. Middle Tennessee's four and five and three and two in league play. And Old Dominion went in to the uh, dome out there and knocked off UTSA 36-31. You know, regardless UTSA is the worst team in the league, yeah. period. Period. I'm, I'm, they should be 0 and 9. And 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 that loss that or that we took to UTSA, we've talked about it plenty of times so I need I don't need to get into it, but that could end up being if, we, if we're not able to find two wins in these last three, that's the game that we gave away. That would have been the bowl clincher, in my no, opinion. No, and I mean, it's hard to look back. You know, hindsight is twenty-twenty and all that. You know, nonsense. But that was just that, that was definitely, definitely a, a, a tough loss yeah, right there. You, but you're right, you're
2: right about that one. I mean, that that could be that. Hopefully, it isn't. But you know, that is one that that's a loss that you could definitely have back. But there's two games on the slate this week that jump out uh, at me. Obviously, UTEP's game with Old meaning, That's probably the biggest game of the conference. Uh, but the next game is that Rice-Southern Miss game at Rice. That's going to be a real interesting game because Southern Miss, if they want to continue to prove that they're for real and up in that upper echelon, that upper tier of teams in the conference, you got to take care of business against a struggling Rice team. The Rice, too, you know, they they came in thinking that they were going to lock up their fourth consecutive bowl win in the next couple of weeks now, or bowl appearance in the next couple of weeks now. That's on the fringe because we've seen Southern Miss and how good they are on both sides of the ball That's going to be a huge matchup, not only for the Conference USA West race, but more importantly, that bowl race, because Rice, a lot, it's going to be tough. I know they still got UTSA. Uh, Don't think they have North. I think they already played North Texas. So it's going to be real tough for for a team like Rice to come out, especially if they get blown out, which I think could possibly happen with Southern Miss on their play. So
1: those are the two games that jump out at me this week. Of course, we look at the conference USA football power rankings. Western Kentucky still sitting the top perch out there, at number one, two hundred and seven total points, and got all first place votes. Actually, I'm sorry, fifteen of 16 1st place votes. Um, they're 82 six zero. Beat FAU as we just mentioned, and they're on a bye this week. I think you know there's not a whole lot to say there for no. the number one team. Or
2: Latex, rolling. Yeah,
1: I, I will say though. I will say though, I had Marshall still at number two. I had I, I uh, and, and that's and that's because. Oh yeah, you know, La Tech took care of North Texas, but anybody would take care of North Texas. The the thing is though, Marshall didn't lose that game. Their kicker lost that yeah. game, and that that for me is the toughest thing. And yeah, you know, there's there's situations where you come into an end of a game in any level of football, and the kicker misses, and you you go home and you say, you know, you can't blame it on that one play because this and that, and you had these opportunities. There was four. there was four missed field goals, <laughs> man. Get Get four him. missed field Get goals him. and a blocked field goal. If I'm not mistaken, yep. it was five total, right? Or oh, a bot snap. Uh, well, the, the the last one was blocked. The last one okay, at the so end of so the third yeah, overtime that's was blocked. What I'm talking about. But there was there was one towards the middle of the game that the guy missed, and then there was a second one, um, in the fourth quarter, which to me didn't really make sense that Marshall went for it. They were down seven at the time with like five minutes to go. They went for three, you know, which. You know, you're down seven. You need a touchdown no matter how you slice it. So I don't know why you'd go for three. But they went for three. They didn't get that one. Um, They end up coming into it. And at the the last second of of regulation, they're in place again to kick the game-winning field goal. The kid misses it again. You know, you go into overtime, you switch. They actually switched from their from their field goal kicker to their kickoff kicker to, to kick field goals. And I think he hit the first wow. one from like 20 yards or something, you know, straight on. But then he had another one in the second overtime. He missed it. And then they had another one in the third overtime, and they got it blocked. And it's just like, you know, you have so many opportunities. You have one job. You have one job, man. <laughs> but you missed you, – you, you just needed one. You just yeah. needed one. And, and the one at the end of regulation – it came down I don't know the exact yardage, but Middle Tennessee made a, a real dumb play. Real dumb play. Uh I can't think of the quarterback's name from, from Marshall off the top of my head. He's rolling out to the left. He's got there's there's almost no time on the clock, maybe like ten, twelve seconds left, something like that. And and he's running to the sideline trying to get out of bounds with no timeouts. And as he steps out of bounds, the middle Tennessee player just boom left. Out And just pushed him. So another 15 yards tacked on. So they moved from about a 45-yard field goal to about a 30-yard field goal. And the kids still missed that one, man. So for me, you know, after seeing all that happen, even though Middle Tennessee put up a lot of yards against his team, you know, Marshall's defense came up with some key turnovers. They, their offense set themselves up, gave them multiple opportunities to win the game. To me, that's enough to hold on to the second spot, even though you ended up suffering the loss.
2: That's a fair point. Some people moved up middle Tennessee to three this week over number four that's starting which is crazy. Yeah. It, so Those a couple of people I had I had it how the top five how it is right here. You know, rounding it out with Middle Tennessee. Actually, that game at Florida Atlantic, you can throw that into my top two games and make it a top three because that's an important game on the Middle Tennessee side. Obviously, Florida Atlantic's already out of it. But, you know, can Middle Tennessee go regroup after a big win at home and go on the road against, you know, a team that's struggling, but they have a couple of athletes in Florida Atlantic. Can they go on the road and basically take care of business? When I mean take care of business, I'm talking about a two-score, three-score win because I've been high on Middle Tennessee, and I think that this team is one of the most talented teams in the league and if they can continue this role, they're going to punch themselves a bowl ticket, no doubt about it. So that's really going to be interesting because, like you said, it, it sh- they shouldn't have won that game, you know, but a win is a win. And sometimes of when course. you win those type yeah. of games, you can just roll on. Yeah. And I think that's what we could see at Middle Tennessee coming in at number five. Number six, FAU with a big win over uh, Charlotte. FAU. Uh, FIU, F- I said FIU? I don't know. I said FIU. F- 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 <laughs> Get them too there. But FIU, with a 48 31, went over Charlotte. They were up 48 24. It was a garbage touchdown. So, you know, you can say whatever you want about that. But I think they, not uh, really, Charlotte did better than we did out there. No doubt about it. <laughs> sure, they put a 31 at 24 into last. So they're at Marshall. That is also another kind of sneaky big game. Same situation with kind of where Middle Tennessee is. How Marshall recovers from that loss? I mean, you, we know their defense is great, and FIU has kind of struggled offensively when they haven't played UTEP. But you yeah. know, so that's going to be kind of a grinder game. That could come down to field goal kicking again. Come, come, could come down to a late drive. That's going to be a real physical matchup, and FIU, FIU has to go on the road. So I think that Marshall team is going to be ready. Doc Holiday to have those kids ready. That's another game as we're going <laughs> can down here. You you can open a walk on <laughs> tryouts and bench them, but I don't they, know. About they, who did kids. that? Somebody did that. That was uh,
3: Oklahoma or Kansas State. Somebody from the big yeah, the Big club club. Yeah. That
2: that was pretty interesting. When he and they actually opened it up and they actually ended up signing the kids. Yeah. So I wanna read Scott the field goal. But UTEP makes the most jump uh progress forward up in this one, coming from ten to seven. A lot of people kind of indifferent on the minors. It, it, a lot of people indifferent, obviously. You know, this is not nothing new. But, you know, from 6 to 10, where do you rate these teams? So, you know, I think UTEP could either come in at 7 or 8. I had UTEP yeah, at 8. Fair. You know, it's pretty fair. I had Old Dominion actually in the 7th spot. Old Dominion checks in at number I had,
1: 9. I had Old Dominion ahead of Rice, and I had Rice at 9.
2: Yes, and a lot of – that you saw a lot of combinations of that yeah. this week, so it's real fair, you know, to put any of those teams there. Rounding off the top four, FAU comes in at 10, North Texas eleven, UTSA comes in at 12. I had UTSA at 12.
1: I, I had UTSA at 12 for two or three weeks now, man. There's yeah, just I, I no... dropped them down
2: th- but i mean I dropped them down to thirteen just because I had you see a little bit of life but it's still the same old story with them. But
1: you know, and and really at the bottom of the league, who cares? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. But you know, going back to the top of the league real quick before we end this discussion I will say that there's a lot, a lot, a lot still to be decided. Southern Mill's still at four and one, and Louisiana Tech at five and one in conference. Marshall's at five and one, but they still control their own destiny, yeah. as does Western Kentucky. Marshall wins out; they've got Western Kentucky at the end of the year. They win out; they beat Western Kentucky. They're the conference USA East champ. So, there's still so much to be decided up there. I mean, you've got we we know that those top four are the upper echelon of this league, but you know this may come down to the final week of the se- of the season to decide both the East. I don't know, does, does, when does Southern Miss and La Tech play? Or are they already played? I have no idea. We'll look it up. I don't Whenever think they, it is, I don't think they've you know, played. whatever it is, this this is something, you know, it could come down to the – well, we know that it very possibly will come down in the East to the final week of the season. But the West could also come down to the final week of the season. So, that that's something interesting, something to keep an eye on. But in both situations,
2: too, I mean, those are definitely going to come down to the last week. There's no doubt about
1: that. When uh, does La
2: Tech and Southern Miss play? They actually play the last game of the there you season, go. too. So, so both you could have de facto yeah, semi-final yeah, games Definitely are, and that's division cool. champion Are you
1: think about it, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, they are. They're semi-final games. Yeah. And, and that's really cool to think about. But a lot of football still to be played, a lot still to be decided in Conference USA. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll keep uh, the ball rolling here. Well, let's move on and start talking about these UTEP miners, man. Coming up off, you know, even though if people are indifferent about the miners, the truth of the matter is that they are now four and five on the year. They're still alive in the bowl conversation, and they're coming up. Uh, they're coming off a much, much needed win over Rice, and and that's a big win. Not just because it's you know a division opponent and a, you know whatever, but Rice has had your number for years now. I don't know how, what the streak was at. It was at boy, least four boy. or five, right? Four. So, you know, you finally kind of get up the snide with that, and you, you pick up a win over Rice. But, again, it keeps you in the bowl conversation. You've got Old Dominion this week, Louisiana Tech to follow, and North Texas after that. You've got a couple, I don't want to say winnable games because nothing's really, you know, yeah. you just don't know what you're going to see out of these teams. But we're in a much better spot right now than I think anybody could have imagined three or four weeks ago.
2: Uh, I mean, it, we, we, I'm going to keep going back to that bye week. Coming out of that FAU game, that is really where a lot of things – it was productive, let's just say that. You know, it was a productive buy. You, you found out a couple of things. You found out about your running backs. But now you get another yep. loss. loss. You have more adversity to go through. So, you know, we've seen really Mac Leftwich and, and Cougar talked about this after the game, where now his teammates are starting to believe in him. You know, he may be that guy that's going to have to be that offensive spark plug the rest of the way. I mean, really, uh, we took on the on the offensive side. Defensively, how much of a big impact has Sky Logan made oh, yeah. on, defensive, on the defensive line? I mean, not only has he turned this defensive line into what we figure we can at the end of the year, but this is starting to become an identity over the last couple of wins against FAU and then last week against Rice. I mean, this kid has really, really just been a productive member of this defensive line, and that's really been a big difference. Also, too, you're seeing – the secondary improve on their man coverage. Now there's still a couple of, uh, of opportunities where Rice had some drop balls that really should have been touchdowns or big play. But the next step of these guys is just getting consistent with that. Look, and you're seeing just all improvement in different phases, except punt returning, but that's yeah, a different story.
1: Tough. No, but, you know, you talk about Sky Logan, definitely made a, a huge impact on the front line. But let, let me say something, you know, the whole defense, it, it just been playing so Such I don't know I don't know what it was that changed it, but I I think coming off like you talked about that FIU game, you know they got rolled, they got embarrassed, and since then they just played so much better. I mean even in that game against Southern Miss, they they had Southern Miss to what was it you know twenty or twenty four points late in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. or something like that. They should have been seven six going into halftime. Yeah, and and so they, they just they're just playing very good right now. And and you look at the Rice game and there was two plays on two of Rice's scoring tu- is scoring drives their their touchdowns um one was like a third and 16 or 17 that they scored on from 32 yeah. 34 yards out and the other one they converted a third and ended up going down of short. but there was there was two drives that they had third and very long and they converted but you if you're able to come up with stops on those two possessions this could have very easily been a 24 to 3 or 7 win or something like that you know and and that would have been a statement win, and people wouldn't have been able to be indifferent about that. So this defense is playing very well. Yes, they're still giving up plays here and there. It's expected with the young secondary and just the, the youth throughout. But it, it's just it's it's refreshing to see them playing competitive because we hadn't seen that from this team on either side of the ball really oh. after Aaron Jones went out. And and man, that's been eight what eight weeks now. So so that's that's just tough to see and but you look at the game I mean they hold rise to 230 yard passing uh 14 of 28 overall they hold a, the the rushing to that under 3 huge. yards a carry 90 yards carries. And it was like carries. that most of the game it was in that
2: 3.2 to 3.8 range and that was really really huge to, to get get And that like I said starts with with Sky Logan I mean this kid is really just came in there and added so much production out of that three technique on the defensive line that's opened up Usher. It's opened up Roy, you know, and also to open up the linebackers because this is the first time Cougar mentioned where he had two linebackers that combined for over 20 tackles in Musgrave and Alvin Jones. And that's really – it's sort of that same uh, formula that we saw last year, even in November, where defense holds, you you know, defense holds, you know, they, they may bend, they don't break, but we're not giving up over 21 points. Offense has that one screw you drive in the second half, which against Rice there was two screw you drives. Talking about the one coming out of halftime mm-hmm. and then the one in the fourth quarter. Yep. This is Cougar football, and, it, and what's great to see is these kids get back to that from you know where we were at two and four after getting demolished by FAU and just seeing these kids buy back in to to the Cougar way of football. And you just saw that go against Rice, and they hit Rice in the mouth on lots of plays and that I was really
1: crazy to see but i will say this much it's it's kubler f- football
2: 2.0 cuz we're throwing the ball because we're throwing yeah. the
1: football exactly i don't care if you run the ball 40 times a game i don't mind that i don't mind if you're able get to play power first. football and run the run the damn ball that's not what i have a problem with it's when you only run the football and you put yourself in a spot where if the defense is able to shut it down, you have no answer. And that's what we saw for three or four weeks out of, out of Cougar. And that's what we saw for two years out of Cougar, even though last year was successful because you had a star in Aaron Jones. But other than that, you know, first year and the opening of this year, you did not see anything out of this team. Now, when you look at this game, early on, they were taking shots. And frankly, if Mac left, which had a little more touch on his deep yeah. ball, we would have had three of them, right? at least. At least we would have had a lot more points on that scoreboard, and cooler but, knowledge that after the game, but you don't always have to connect that's the beauty of it, thats not. not you stretch the defense out because they have to respect the deep ball, and when they have to respect, respect the deep ball, they cannot stack the box and it opens up the run game. Now, granted, it wasn't the most effective rushing game this year. I mean this, this well period, it wasn't the most effective run game. We did end with one hundred and sixty one yards, but 52 came on that final drive well, by Jeremiah Lafonso, which is great. Yeah. I love that. But, man, we're now – I mean, I think we found something in Warren Reddick's, right? Yeah, I think so. In a lot of different areas. In a lot of different areas. Now punt return. But now he's really going to have to play an extended role out of the backfield. Yeah. Because we talk about L.A. Dow, man. Shout out to L.A. Dow. Yeah, Prayers, thoughts yeah, you know, with him. It's That's a, a motherfucker that bleeds blue. Yeah, large And, and blue, just a man. real good sure, kid, bro. Real good guy. And and you never want to see the type of injury, you know, any type of season ending injury. But you know, just wish the best to him, speedy recovering the best in his future. But you know, with LA Dow out of the picture now, it's just next man up. Yeah, and is banged it, and up. And is banged up. But not only that, LaFosse not the type of guy to carry twenty twenty times a game and be that explosive running back. He's he's more of a power back. Uh and moves the medal in your run game. And, and, and so Warren Reddick is going to have to be that guy that can be that change of pace, explosive guy out of the backfield.
2: Kavika, too. Kavika may also see some carries. Really? And, I didn't know and, that. Yeah, the Kavika, he talked about moving Kavika. I wouldn't be surprised to see five. We talked about that six weeks ago. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get five or six be carries. I, would, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind the salary. At all, I'll tell you <laughs> that. But, I mean, yeah, that, Warren Reddick is really – and, and uh, UTEP Defense wrote a great piece, as always. Shout out to yep. UTEP Defense, where he mentioned about – Warren Reddicks is really starting to become that guy, that, that guy that you can rely on for different things. And that's really huge to have that. So, I mean, if you just, where do you go at running back? My suggestion is to continue let the pass set up the run. We're seeing that where, like you mentioned, these early shots going on early in the game where now you're getting in the fourth quarter, you're on one of these screw-you drives, and you can pretty much play with the defense. And then you're able to run like they did, run the same damn play over – four or five times in a row, and let it be effective on the ground. That's going to be a big key early. I'm really starting to believe in Mac Lethwich. I don't think that he's the perfect quarterback. Name me a perfect quarterback, first of all. But the kid is just going out there and competing, and he's fighting. Once he gets his experience down and the game speed and chemistry with these receivers on those deep balls and those one-on-one situations, he's going to be something special. But you're still seeing some sophomore mistakes. You're still seeing some mistakes out of receivers, some drops you know, namely Atre Golden. I mean, you know, shout out to Atre. I don't want to single him out. But, you know, you, you're just starting to see him come into his own as a quarterback, and that is great for this offense, and especially on the road this week. I mean, they're going to have – I wouldn't be surprised if we see 40 pass attempts, especially but early how in the game. How crazy
1: is that? Sean Kugler's the head coach, and Mac Leftwich is coming off a 36-attempt game. I don't remember how many he tossed last week, but 30. it was 30-something. He's been 30 every game. It, it, you know, you, you pass attempts. We're expecting at least that much or more this coming game. I mean, how crazy is that?
2: Oh, I mean and and,
1: and but the thing is, I, I mean, and I don't I don't mean to be negative, but why it takes so long? Yeah. You know, like that's it, a million it, it's, it's dollars not, question. Look, we, we we lost Aaron Jones and, and that was a tough loss. So you, you play with what you've got and you open it up, you know, And and we've been talking about that for weeks. And I'm not saying it's you know, it's it's not it's it's not rocket science, you know what I'm saying? And, and I don't understand why it took so long to do it. But you see it now, and it's starting to translate into production and wins. And you've got two games against Old Dominion and North Texas. Look, I don't think – I don't know what's going to happen against Louisiana Tech. I really yeah. don't. Now, Let's if you, get to their one. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you come off of a big win over Old Dominion on the road, maybe you do have the confidence to stay in that game. And then you're playing at home, and who knows? Maybe at 5-5, five five, you get twenty five to 30,000 in that stadium. And that really changes things, man. Yeah. You start getting your crowd behind you. But we'll get there when we get there. I'm just saying, this this that we've seen, this production, and now translating into wins, and we're back in the bowl picture, man, is is just awesome to see. And it's great that Coogler finally did what he said he would do and opening it up and just kind of letting things go a little bit and letting these guys go out there and play.
2: And that's the best thing because you see a lot of uh, Conference USA fans on Twitter that are going through their own struggles with their football team pointing out to that press conference where Cougar – takes accountability, says he's going to change, and then two or three weeks later you're seeing it full circle. And that just deserves high praise for a guy. And that's what the, the guy Sean Cougar is. Throw away the football, the exit and O's. Sean Cougar is just a, a man of his word, a man that's going to go out there and bust his ass for you. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, we were wondering, you know, at two and four, you know, with horrible statistics and the depleted roster, well, do you throw the – you know, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. You're saying all these right things, but is this going to be 2013? Hell no, bro. No matter how this season I – mean, remember when we sat here at the halfway point and we're like, you know what, the only thing that can make us happy, don't even give a shit if we make yeah. the bowl. Just want to see some type of progression. That's and it. I think it takes one more game. If we see this team go out there and fight, even if they come up short against Old Dominion, Sean Cougar deserves to have two or three more years here at Utah. No, because be he, and, look, and that's not even look, the question, yeah, but you get what I'm saying where – I think that he deserves that respect. Where that conversation should not be brought up anymore. As pissed
1: off as I ever was at Sean Coogler, not once have I said this guy should be fired. Have I said if he doesn't change things, he will? Yes, definitely. But he's shown that he knows what he needs to do to change what he needs to change, and he's shown that he will change it. You know, that's all you ask for. That's it. You know, we are UTEP, man. You know, we need to realize who we are. And and this is not a, a knock. I, I'm I bleed orange and blue, man. I I I I followed it's the, the truth. programs for for years and years, man. I've been there in the stands when we were losing 62 to nine or 62 to seven or whatever back in the nineties. I was it's there. You I was want. a kid, man. I was a kid, and I would have my family come at the games just to go watch these guys. And even when we were down 40 and 50 points, thinking we can still come back, we can still come. Back. I'm a I'm a diehard. I'm a homer, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I went to UTEP. I mean, I love this program, but we are what we are, and we are not at this exact moment 8, 9, 10 win program. You know what I'm saying? So we need to just continue to build with what we've got and, and just be competitive. That's all you can ask for. And and I, I really think, man, I really think this Old Dominion, we see those games a lot. We talk about it where they're like those turn-the-corner type of games. This is to me. This is that game right yep. now, FaceTime. and and it's a little late in the season. A little late in the season. A little later than you'd like to see them, but this is a game that really, really, really could change the perspective of a lot of fans. And and Old Dominion is no pushover. It would really be a big win. You get to five and five. That team's gonna be fired up. The fans are gonna be fired up. And you're one win away from a bowl game. And man, it just gets me all. Team, you get you fired up for football again in November <laughs> yeah, when we crazy. thought the
2: season was going to be over? We
1: were like, man, when's basketball getting you know, here? But it, football it, ended, right, and I we'll was go. like,
2: she gave away. But looking at Old Dominion, I mean, the Old Dominion is one of the more explosive offenses in the nation according to advanced stats. 1.38 is their ISO triple P, which basically measures you know, the, the way that they're Scoring points away the way they're moving the football—that's very, very impressive to see. Where they had their main guys, David Washington, the junior quarterback, was a, a wide receiver turned quarterback turned wide receiver back to quarterback. Really impressed with the game that he had last week against UTSA. Just does so well out of that zone read as you would expect with an athletic quarterback. But he also can throw. He throws this tremendously high deep ball that is just tremendous. He has two great receivers, Zach Paschal. Guarantee you, Zach Paschal will be in the NFL one day. 6'2", 215 pounds, just a junior. He's going to get better. The other guy that was really impressive, Jonathan Duhart, another big-time receiver, 6'3", 2'12". They have one of the better running backs in the game. Ray uh, in, the, in the conference, Ray Lowry, already over 1,000 yards. I was reading somewhere where he, he may lead Conference USA in rushing yards. You know, where they've struggled, though, they've struggled in protecting the quarterback in that offensive line. They've had a little bit of, of – of, I guess you could say movement around there. Their stuff rate is at 21.6%, which is 95th in the nation. Their power run success is ranked 97th in the nation. So when we're talking about that UTEP defense and where we've been strong is in stopping the run, stopping Ray Lowry should be public enemy number one, Followed by a guy like David Washington, who, like I said, can dictate you so well with that zone read. They execute that so damn well, and that's always good. And, and switch, that's man. Exactly that is exactly athletic quarterbacks and dirt. Like I said, they're explosive. I mean, they really want to be explosive. Even the rushing ISO uh, ISO triple P is 1.24, 12th in the nation. You're talking about an explosive offense that has a struggling offensive line, but has athletes on that on that offense to, to go ahead and, and keep those chains moving. And they, they're gonna rely on that. Defensively, you talk about one of the more productive linebackers in the league, TJ Ricks. I mean this the guy that was leading conference USA in tackles, saw him just demolish a UTSA running back and get him a sack. In the in the secondary, the guy that they returned, big time safety uh Misher played a little bit against UTEP last year. Um going up looking up at, against what I feel UTEP is going to have to do You look at teams, offensive lines are creating 88 yards of of offense by themselves against Old Dominion. That ranks 113th. That's going to be a big key for UTEP to go ahead. And the same deal, they're giving up big plays in the rush game. They're allowing, they're 117th in the nation when it comes to rushing success. So you see kind of the give and take of their strength offense, their strength defensively. What are you looking at in this game uh, as far as the X's and O's? Well, I think
1: think the big thing is, is keep you contained. I think that's you know with that with that zone read, th- what that is, all they're doing is reading the defensive end. Yeah, they're seeing is he crashing down down the line, is he, is he staying outside? You know that's that's where you make that decision as to whether whether to hand it off or or keep it. And so that's to me that's the main thing. If you can contain and you've got guys on the inside that can that can, you know, not allow these these huge plays. You know what I'm saying? Then you got guys at the second level like, like Alvin Jones and Musgrave that can kind of contain it and keep it, keep it down to, to, to minimal gain. So the the biggest thing for me is to keep contained. Don't let these guys get the edge, and, and, and then you see big plays. They break it off for 20, 30 yards at a time, and that's when you
0: break start – Break your back.
1: Yeah, and that's when you start – you know, you give Hands up those on big the plays. And, exactly. And... You start getting gassed, and then you're on the field for long periods of time. But the, to me, number one, defensively, that's it. Maintain the edge. Can, keep contained. Don't let these guys get outside of you, and just – I think, that, I think you'll see a lot less big plays given up. I think we're always going to see with this young secondary big plays here and there. Especially against the most exposed explosive. Exactly. It's when you start getting guys like that. But, but if you can keep the running game manageable, then you can deal with giving up one or two You know, in the passing game. Just it's like last it's week. when you can't stop either yeah. that, that you really start running into issues. Offensively, don't change a damn thing. You know, other than getting guys like Reddick the ball a little more, which is natural because now you're down L.A. Dow, so you have to put him in a little more in there. But other than that, keep doing what you're doing. Keep taking shots. Make the defense stay honest, and the, the run game will be there. It'll be productive. It may not be 200 yards. It may only be 120, 130, 150, whatever it is, but it'll, it'll be enough, you know, to keep you in the game and you 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 reel off one or two big plays and all of a sudden you're in it man and and look i think this will be a close game this isn't yeah. going to be an fiu it's not going to be a an arkansas or texas tech nothing like that we're not going to see this team get blown out should be close to the end again maintain your edge maintain you know contain and and i think i think that this team will have an opportunity to win the game and like we saw last week man so impressive so impressive and and that's what happens when you when you stretch that defense out and you're on the field for, for sustained drives, you know, by the end of the game, they're worn down. Oh. And so you can have those drives where it's just pound it and pound it and pound it. In fact, I think they ran it like six or seven times in a row. Yeah, and, and, it was right, and it
2: was. And you, up, the same play.
1: and you end up with a 17-play 85-yard drive or whatever it is, and you run off seven and a half minutes off the clock, you know, that's a game, that, that's a backbreaker, you know, and if you can put yourself in that type of position against Old Dominion where you've kind of worn them down, you stayed on the field, you've made their defense run and play a lot the entire game, you know, and then you find yourself in a situation with six, seven, eight minutes to go in the ballgame, you have it in a one-possession game or a three-point game or a tie game, You've got your opportunity to now go and pound, and pound them and pound them and pound them and pound them all the way down the field so you get your game winning score. No,
2: but I, but personally, to get to that, I think you got to have some early turnovers. You know, That's they're, ne- they're, 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 they're negative four in the turnover margin
1: hasn't been their
2: strong point. If you can force some turnovers early and cash in on those turnovers, not just force them, but cash in on them, you get that opportunity to pound them out in that second and, half. And
1: we've got to be real careful too because Leftwich has, for the most part, been safe with the football, but you just. Cannot give them those early turnovers. No. You put yourself down the ball and it's ball.
2: But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a close game. And, like you said, it, you got to have one of those, what I call, them fuck you drives in that second half where you're just lining up, like you said, six, seven times in a row. Stop me if you can. If not, it's going to be a long day. But, like I said, those turnovers early in the game should allow UTEP to be able to do that. I mean, UTEP ran for 300 yards against Old Dominion last year. Don't think that's going to happen this year. But, you see that offensive line. And as patched up as it is, that offensive line has improved as well. And that's a big thing for this team going forward. I mean, it, this is a playoff game. This is a or die playoff down. game. Do it at time. Through. 10 o'clock in the morning. That's no your alarm clock. Yeah. All
1: y'all is going out Friday night. Don't get all hung over mind. and miss the tip off. I like to the tip off, the kickoff, or the, the tip ten a.m. Off. or the tip off. But tip, uh, man, I can't get it right. Kickoff. You see, once we get into these hour and a half long shows, <laughs> I can't even talk at the end, man. <laughs> ten a.m. kickoff is it Fox Sports Net? Fox Sports. Fox Net. Sports, Fox Sports Net. Net. Y'all know where to find us. rush dot com. SBN MinorRush at Gmail dot com. Uh, at SBN MinorRush on Face on Twitter and Facebook dot com slash MinorRush if I didn't already say that. Ding! I think you got that. All right, man. It's a good one. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Until next week. Later.